Okay, first letter by John, chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 7. Dear friends, let's love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't love love doesn't know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who doesn't love his brother, whom he has seen, can't love God, whom he's not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Thank you, Pamela. What an incredible passage that you just read. Let's just pray. Father God, I pray that you would take the words of this passage, the words that we are looking at tonight, and you would make them real for us, that you would challenge us, that you would grow us, and that you would help us to be more like you. Amen. So, loving one another. Well, I don't know if you've noticed uh, in the shops, but it feels like Christmas was just a breath away. Uh, But already Easter eggs are out and Valentine's Day chocolates are whipped onto the shelves. And ever keen to keep up with the times, we've moved from the nativity through to a passage on love just in time for Valentine's Day, you'll be glad to hear. But for those of you who don't really like Valentine's Day or are pretty indifferent to it, probably most of us if we're honest, uh, you'll be delighted to hear that this passage isn't about gazing longingly over a table or the flutters in your stomach, but it's 
a much deeper kind of love that we're going to look at, perhaps and potentially a harder kind of love. But I think it's a more universal message. It's a message both for those who feel unloved today and those who feel loved. I think love is a human need, isn't it? Acknowledged by all. It's something we all crave and desire at some point. And it's, if, we, if we withhold love from children, and I think probably from adults as well, it can have a lifelong effect on them, can't it? Like a baby who has struggled to breathe for a time or who has suffered from malnutrition, the effects of a lack of love can be profound. And it's interesting, don't you think, if you look into the, this passage, and, and do keep it open if you've closed it to flick back to it because I want to get right into it it's interesting that this we're commanded to love in fact right throughout the bible we are commanded to love remember Jesus summarizing the law as loving God and loving other people we're not commanded to breathe or to drink or to eat or even to provide air or food or water in quite the same way as the bible commands us to love And in reality, love is something that we have to receive from others, isn't it? It can't be forced. That's what makes Valentine's Day hard for some of us. Like a compliment, it doesn't carry the same weight if it's not spontaneous. If I'm feeling unloved, demanding that those around me turn to me and tell me how loved I am doesn't always fill the void. It's the spontaneous thoughts and words and actions that are most effective. Love is really hard because it can't be manipulated into place. We can't control it. It relies on other people. And John's command implies, really by even mentioning it, is that we struggle to love. And that seems to me to be the reality. We struggle sometimes to love. Sometimes I find it really easy to love. It flows naturally from my circumstances. And sometimes it's incredibly difficult to even want to love. Some people it's easier to love. And some people and some situations we find it harder to love. Sometimes we can feel even uh, numb or devoid of emotions towards people or situations. Isn't that true? So let's see what John has to tell us about love that will be so unique and may change the way that we feel. It may even change the way that we are and the way that we behave. So firstly, God is the source of all love. Look at verse 7. Love comes from God. Verse 8. God is love. Verse 16. Further down. God is love. It's like this is really important to John. He keeps repeating it. God is the source of all love. And it's really important to note that that's different from just saying that God is loving. Love comes from God. He is the root of all love. Now, uh, you'll know that I'm not a scientist and I'm aware that any science explanations are a bold move in this congregation. Um, This is an analogy. 
So if it is flawed in some way, uh, be patient. But I think it's like the sun is the source of all our natural light. Now that light may be reflected or obscured or magnified by something else, but the source is the sun. I don't know if any of you were able to see the super blue blood moon this week, although I think it was more blue moon here and less blood moon. Um, I think that was in other parts of the world. But on Wednesday evening, the moon was incredible. It was enormous. It was low. It was beautiful. It was crystal clear. And I have no doubt that if you live out in the country where there isn't light pollution, then the moonlight was marvelous. But in reality, the moon is a reflector of the sun's light. It reflects the sun's light. The sun is the source of our light. And in a similar way, God is the source of our love. He's not just loving, although he is. He is the source from which all love emanates. And when we show God... Uh, show love, we are reflecting God's love, whether or not we acknowledge it or realize it. Conversely, take the sun away and we're in complete darkness, aren't we? A few years ago, we went to uh, north of the Arctic Circle in the winter. The sun never comes up. It comes slightly, but it never actually arrives. In the daytime, the dark got slightly less dark, a kind of lengthy dust, but the day never came. And we were only there for a couple of days, and we had the benefit of electricity, torches, lights, all sorts of things. But even so, it was a dark place to be. But I think that's a picture of our world without God and without his love. The two go together. Where God is, there is love. Where God is not, there is not. Love comes from God. And secondly, God demonstrates his love. John's not just content to say that God is love. He backs up his claim. Now, en route here, uh, my boys were running, and Timmy boldly claimed uh, that he was faster than the speed of light. It's a bold claim, isn't it? (laughs) And the only way that he could verify that claim would be by running faster than the speed of light. He would have to demonstrate it. John talks about God being love. And then he talks about how he has demonstrated it. How do we know that God is love? Look at verse 9. He showed his love among us. He sent his son to die that we might live. Words are easy, aren't they? It's easy to say something or promise something or um, say that we can do something. And often those things are made in good conscience, but they don't always live up to it. But that's not what God's like. God is love and he demonstrates it by his actions. History has shown us his love in action. And John is only too keen to remind us. Remember, he says, remember Jesus. He came to show God's love. He came to rescue us. He couldn't just leave us where we were. He loved
loved us too much. God is love and he showed it. We, you, I, are too important to him, too loved for him not to have done something about it. God took the initiative. While we were still sinners, he offered a sacrifice. Look at verse 10. The sacrifice was his one and only son for the mistakes that we made. He doesn't just say his love. He lived it and he lives it. And like the parent who dies saving their child's life or the firefighter who, who arrives to fight a fire in their own home or the driver who swerves towards the central reservation to avoid killing their passenger at the cost of their own life. God is love. He is love in action. No polite theorizing, no empty words, but a costly digging in, getting his hands dirty and showing us that he is going to sort it out. So God is the source of love. God demonstrates his love. But what is this love like? Well, John tells us all sorts of things about what this love is like. Insights into what love for God is. Well, firstly, he tells us that love has a cost. It's not gooey feelings or gazing sentimentally. The action that he took had a cost. He sent his son that we might live. The trade-off was his death for our life. That we might live. That it was done. His love is effective. His love takes the initiative. Look at verse 10. God took the initiative. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. It says it again. If you're feeling unloved, hear these words over yourself. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And again, it says it in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. God's love is practical and he initiates it. We don't have to stand here vulnerably wondering if we're going to have our love reciprocated. It's here in black and white. God loved us before we loved God. It's done. He put his love out there. God doesn't have to be vulnerable, but he made himself vulnerable. Not because he had to, but because he chose to. The ultimate act of love. Regardless of the cost. And then look at verse 18. God's love drives out fear. And we all fear things, don't we? But, but John's argument is that fear is to do with punishment. It's to do with consequences. We fear what might happen if something is done or, or, or if something plays out in a particular way. Our fear cripples us because of the consequences But if God has already dealt with the consequences of death, then we have nothing to fear. No need to fear. John is saying God's love drives out anything that we might possibly fear. If he's got us covered for eternity, then everything else is covered too. God's love is practical. It helps us to live life. It was demonstrated through Jesus' death and resurrection. It offers us unconditional love. And God's love is reliable. 
Look at verse 16. His love is secure. It should be the basis for our identity. Love in the world can be fickle often. Now, I hope and trust that Dan loves me and continues to love me, but it's not guaranteed, (laughs) particularly if I say the wrong thing tonight. (laughs) But God's love is guaranteed. It is promised. It is dealt with. It is here, and nothing can change it. If our confidence is in him, then it cannot be shaken. Remember Romans 8, 38 to 39, there is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Jesus Christ our Lord. God's love is reliable. So we've seen from John a little bit about what God's love is like. But what we also hear from John is that it demands a response. Repeatedly, John points out the implications of what he's just said about God being love. Look at verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Verse 11. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 20. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. Verse 21, anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. These are big words. He's not messing around. It's pretty clear, isn't it? If we know God's love, then we need to show God's love. Now, the one another that, and the brothers and sisters that John is speaking to here is the church I think the Bible tells us that we're called to love everyone, but John's starting point here is the church. And he's got a point. If we can't love one another here at St. Andrews, how are we going to love anyone else? Just imagine how disheartening it would be for somebody to walk off the street and come into church and discover that the same self-serving attitude pervaded here as they could find anywhere else. John commands us, let us love one another because love comes from God. And I've been around church for long enough to see some incredible acts of love, but also some incredible absences of it. But John is saying that if we expose ourselves to God's love, then we'll be recalibrated into an attitude of love. Gaze up to God and understand what he, was, he has done for each one of us. And then when we look back down, we will see the world in a different way. Bit by bit, we will start to see people as God sees them, through his eyes of love. Exposure to radiation has a detrimental effect on your health, doesn't it? To varying degrees, dependent on how long you're exposed and the intensity of the exposure. An exposure to God's love, John explained, should transform our lives. We shouldn't go away the same. It should transform our attitudes, our perspective, our actions. Know God's love and show it. John's saying you can't have one without the other. Spend time getting to know God. And the way that you interact with other people will change. As the, the moon reflects the sun, 
we will reflect God's love. So I was trying to think what it is that stops us from always being loving to one another. And firstly, it's that love requires us to look at God. And people can be infuriating, I know. We all have different agendas in church, different things that are important to us. And when we arrive, sometimes in a positive mood, sometimes not. Life is sometimes going well, sometimes it's falling apart. Sometimes we can just be thoughtless or inwardly focused or short-tempered or brutal or just plain distant, can't we? But when we look up, it's not that our issues disappear. It's not that all the problems that were before us are gone. It's that our perspective shifts. When we look up to God, we become more malleable, more understanding, more able to love. Lift up your eyes and ask God to show you his love. And more than that, I think there's a profound change that occurs in us when we pray for the people that we struggle with. Lift them up to God and over time, God will break your heart for them. Secondly, I think love can be pretty inconvenient. Caring for people can be hard work. Sometimes when we offer to help people, they refuse it. People can be prickly. People can do their best to make sure that we don't love them. It can be at difficult times that people require care and love. I can promise you that if you love someone, it won't always be inconvenient. It won't always be convenient and it will often be costly. It will involve interruption, it will involve sacrifice and it will involve giving of ourselves. It will involve being vulnerable. People might reject us. But we're not called to love so that we receive love back. We're called to love unconditionally. God is our model of love. And sometimes that means giving without receiving. Sometimes it might mean allowing our own proud barriers down so that we can allow other people to love us. Because love's a two-way thing. And it might be difficult for us to work through tricky relationships to put hurts aside, to confront them, to forgive, rather than ignoring them. Or letting them fester. But if we look up to God and we bring it to Him in prayer, then we're called to love our brothers and sisters in the church, regardless of how hard that might be, regardless of how they have behaved to us. And love requires us as well to listen listen to God, listen to each other. And then to act. Remember we have a God who acted, who made himself vulnerable, who put himself out there. Who didn't just shirk the responsibility because it was too hard. And that's the kind of love that he calls us to share with each other. The going out of our way. The serving each other even when it's not particularly pleasant. 
And I think if we're um, honest, we can all imagine people that we want to be like. And we can all think of people who we know who are neglected and that we could love more. So my challenge really today, and this is a challenge that I have, have been challenged about myself as I've prepared really, is to look up to God, to really understand more about who he is but not to stop there, to look around me, to see who it is that I need to care for, to challenge my own attitudes when I'm unloving, when I'm thoughtless, when I'm careless, or just don't notice. Because when we share God's heart and reflect it, that's when we're at our most powerful not a powerful from the world, but a powerful from God. That's when God's spirit uses us to transform lives. That's when we as individuals become loved in the community that God has pictured for us in this passage. Remember, this is what John said. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Father God, it's so easy to speak about words of love, of affection, of desire. But Lord, it's so hard to love well. We pray that your spirit would work in each one of us tonight, but not just tonight, each day, that you would be with us, helping us to love, helping us to see the world through your eyes, knowing that in our own strength, we can't do that. But as we reflect your love and your gospel, that people will be made whole again. Amen.